Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people doing cool stuff in e-com and tech. I'm your host, Tim. So I've decided to create a new series called Agency Side, Stories of Leaders Changing the Digital Landscape. It's a six-part weekly series where I sit down with agency owners and leaders to explore what it's like to build, grow, and navigate an agency through the complexities of a modern digital world. On this penultimate episode, I sit down with Piers Thurgood and Alex O'Byrne, co-founders of WeMate Websites, a digital agency that specializes in designing and developing Shopify Plus stores for international brands. They are also my bosses and where I have worked for the past four and a half years. So it was really cool to learn more about how they met and started the agency, what's changed in over 10 years of working together, the keys to a successful business relationship and how a five pound Gumtree ad changed the course of their lives. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Here's Alex. Welcome to the podcast. How are you both and where are you both? I'm good. Yeah, very good. Uh, I'm uh, stuck in my flat in Greenwich in lockdown. So, you know. It's uh, good to have something to do like this. <laughs> Alex, where are you coming to us from? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Here you go. Transatlantic, a transatlantic team here. Um, this is the agency side series. Um, and before we get into more about We Make Websites, um, this is a bit of a first. So it's the first co-founder uh, podcast that I've ever done. It's not the first one that I've done where there's two people, but this is a first. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about you guys. So let's go right back. Let's dial it right back. When and how did you two meet? Well, um, I'll take this one, Alex. You can just chime in. Um, we met on uh, doing an internship uh, for a company called Merrill Lynch when we were both in our sort of, I guess at the end of our second years of uni, um, we uh, uh, were working in technology for I don't know, six weeks or something, or maybe a bit longer, um, in London over the summer uh, for Merrill Lynch, an investment bank for um, anyone who's uh, uh, not heard of them, uh, US investment bank, we're both based in London. And we were doing this internship, uh, working in uh, fairly dull jobs, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we sort of got to know each other a bit then. Um, but I wouldn't say we were like super close friends then. Uh, but what we did both decide to do was take the job that they offered at the end of that internship. So uh, a year later, we met back up in, in New York when we were starting out on these graduate jobs. And uh, yeah, uh, we had a sort of two month induction living in New York. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't call it working. It was kind of like being a student, but being very mm. well paid and... Uh, <laughs> Pre-financial crisis decadence. Oh, exactly. God. So this was back in uh, 2007, um, just before it all, uh, yeah, shit hit the fan, and uh, um, 
Yeah, Merrill Lynch didn't really survive that actually. So we we kind of in our first few months, I guess, were were there when Merrill Lynch got bought by Bank of America. Right, and and I, I wonder, did did you two have anything to do with the downfall of Merrill Lynch? <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't that decadent. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, no, uh, presumably not. But um, yeah, I guess we were. Uh, yeah, still, still very much in training at that point. So it was a quite a weird world to enter. Yeah, yeah. there's this sort of. Ex- I don't think either of us were like really into into that finance world. It was more we joined because didn't know what to do, and it was a good job. Um, yeah, it was. And- it was before like big tech and 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 the whole. I mean, there was obviously startups, but it wasn't like the entrepreneurial scene that the last ten years has seen. And uh, I think we both felt that that. That, yeah, it wasn't really an environment that encouraged innovation or entrepreneurship or anything, although it did claim that. And I think that made us both quite frustrated quite quickly. Yeah, I suppose there was like, I know that world, it was kind of the, hey, get a decent job at a decent place type mentality, you know, which is weird because it seems very, very old fashioned. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. not that really, you know what I mean? It only goes back 10 or whatever. I remember being told by my first boss there, um, you're in. And you will never need to worry about getting a job again. And it really was that sort of environment that no one really left it unless you went to work for a hedge fund or something. And of course, we did leave it, and I'm glad we did. But it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't obvious at the time that it was the thing to do. So internship led to a grad program. You're in New York. Let's fast forward then to the point of the inception of We Make Websites now. Uh, word around the campfire and the legend has it that we make websites started on a maxed out credit card. So I suppose, is that correct? And then just talk me through the very, very early stages of the company. Uh, that was my maxed out credit card. And I, I have to put my hand up and say that the <laughs> it wasn't maxed out necessarily due to the business and more to my own lifestyle, <laughs> which... Uh, <laughs> I had actually, so I was in management at the bank and I ended up going to Switzerland and living in, living there for a bit and uh, got into the snowboarding and all this kind of stuff. And the thing they always say about these like, you know, well-paid jobs is you end up spending it. So I ended up with a bit of debt there and I had an entrepreneur friend that, uh, you know, I'd sort of knew I wanted to start a business and he basically said, there's never going to be a good time. You should just go off and do it whenever you're ready. And I think Piers and I both realized quite quickly that if we could just sell one website, we would cover um, our rent. Um, and I, I quit first, actually. So there was a few months where it was just my rent and then Piers quit when it was kind of obvious that we were probably going to be able to at least, yeah, pay our way, even if not, uh, yeah, at least be able to cover our expenses. So quite early on, um, we uh, <laughs> we were just trying to pay the rent. So I started Putting, I put an ad on Gumtree, basically, when uh, I gave my notice at the bank, said, I want to start a business and I want to quit. And they tried to talk me out of it. Did it anyway. And uh, we put an ad on uh, Gumtree to say, basically, we'll do premium web design. And I guess if anyone doesn't know what Gumtree is, it's like Craigslist, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, premium website design. And we ended up getting a, uh, a lead, which was uh, uh, basically a guy in Mayfair, uh, a young guy that worked for a big art dealer, um, that, w- that was getting a lot of inquiries about website builds. And I ended up going in to meet him on a lunch break and, and we got on really well. And um, that, you know, five pound Gumtree ad turned out to be quite important because it got us our first two or three projects. 
um, allowed me to start paying off some of that debt, which I did pay off in a couple of years following that. And um, I actually also met my now girlfriend through him as well. So that five pound Gumtree ad has, has been probably the best five pounds I spent. And that kind of got us going really, that we, we started to build a process. We, should, we could prove that we built websites that were valuable and that people would pay for it. Um, and I guess like a pricing advice there is those websites were probably about a hundred times less expensive than what we charge now. And that was how low we were charging, but we thankfully were able to prove that, you know, what we did was valuable and, and go from there. But that is the short version. Yeah. Yeah. We'd also built some stuff for free whilst, you know, before that ad went out, you know, like Alex um, had some photographer friends and, um, you know, through my girlfriend, we knew some sort of people that, uh, needed websites for very small one-man band type businesses. So that helped us have a portfolio to at least show. And and also, you know, we, I was going to say, we put a lot of effort into our own website. Actually, we didn't. We built it in a weekend and it was not very good. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a little bit there to show, hey, we can do this thing. Because it's interesting, we weren't, neither of us had built websites at the bank. So we weren't starting a website development company because we were necessarily good at, building websites it just seemed like an easy enough thing for us to do right so that that was going to be a question of mine was why why websites but from from my understanding you did in those early stages go beyond websites and you you looked at maybe some product stuff as well is that right yeah that, that came before whilst we were both at um at the bank like we started doing kind of evenings and weekends just um trying to make stuff and the iphone uh, well, the iPhone had been out for maybe a year. The App Store was a, like a new thing, and we saw that as a bit of an opportunity to maybe build an app. And um, yeah, that that was going to be a potential business opportunity for us. And I think we had um, a couple of ideas, but the one we built was um, finding pubs that were still open around you, and it's called Last Orders. And uh, yeah, I think it was a good idea at the time. Um, and uh, it was well before like Google showed the opening times of, of stuff when you search for uh, you know, pubs and things. But the, uh, the problem was because Google didn't have the data, <laughs> we couldn't get the data. So uh, it was pretty inaccurate. And um, in the end, whilst we'd been sort of learning how to build apps and things, we'd sort of got some paying website clients. So it was just yeah. an easier route to money i suppose which at that point we needed yeah we need that's a good point that we 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 will i think part of the reason we ended up starting an agency is we didn't want to go and raise money and i guess now if you did something similar you would go and raise some seed capital and do it that way and we were never even though we worked in finance we're not finance people and we were both technologists we both studied computer science and that was our interest which came back to be useful later i think um but but we were just eager to start a business that we were in control of and that we could do our own thing and an experiment with all this new technology that was coming out around that time, like um, Ruby on Rails and things like that, that were just decades away from being used in the banks, but with the whole startup scene and 37 Signals and Basecamp and all this sort of thing were getting quite influential in how people thought about starting businesses. So I think that us building websites basically to pay the rent was a, probably a good start in the sense that it gave us the capital, therefore, in effect, to build a business. And I think um, that's been good now. Well, it's great now because we, we don't have it investors. So that's paid off. But I wouldn't say it was easy. And there was a lot of, um, yeah. 
blood, sweat, and tears along the way. So the, the in terms of sort of retrospectively looking back and looking at the growth from then to now, I'm always interested to learn like turning points and points at which people go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea or why don't we try this? Like it sounds like there was a lot of necessity at the start because you wanted to not do what you were doing in the kind of more corporate world. So was there a time along the journey where you guys were like, oh, okay, we've got some traction here. This is a thing. And I suppose getting to your point there, Alex, like was there a point where you were like, we want to build a 65 plus person agency or was it like organic progression and opportunities that come along and you just kind of take them and then you sort of build it out as you go? I would say it was organic and probably still, <laughs> still is to some extent. And what I think the critical turning point was we'd done it for a few years and, and built our lifestyles around the fact we work for ourselves and the flexibility and all that kind of stuff. But we, and we were learning about business really. And eventually in 2013, we realized that e-commerce was important to us because first of all, we had the skill set to deliver on it. So we were from a background that combined, you know, f- uh, money and technology, um, and we were interested in design and passionate about that. So we had this intersection of um, design and technology and business that we were good at, basically. And the reality is e-commerce, especially back then, it was quite hard, actually, compared to just building, you know, a brochure site for someone. So we, we, we were very interested in that. And then marketing and that being a position therefore that we held became a thing which we realized was important so rather than just saying the same things everybody else that you know we do web design and branding and all this kind of stuff that you still see people making this mistake and what we re- what we realized at the time was having a niche was important I and mean, then that led to shopify which what happened there was we were building e-commerce sites and even trying to build our own platform and doing all sorts of stuff and eventually we realized, why are we bothering with this when there's this platform that everybody's excited about um, that seems like it commodifies or stops us reinventing the wheel and lets us focus on the bit where we add value, which is the consulting and the design and um, the customer experience for the brands that we work with. And then that in turn became a position that was um, very clear. So we're a Shopify agency, that's all we do. And believe it or not, at the time that was very rare and there was maybe a handful in the world and lots of people told us you're mad because you're throwing away leads that were valuable and we were get we were talking to some uh, to some uh, big prospects about non-e-commerce sites and we were turning them down basically or not pitching on them and that turned out to be great but it took years and it took a lot of uh, you know, in hindsight, it seems obvious, but it wasn't at the time. And that's really been something we've held on to over the years, which is having a strong niche so that people understand exactly what we do. And when they need us, they come to us. And that's helped us massively along the way. Piers, getting back to that time, do, do you remember those instances? And like, what were you guys thinking? <laughs> Not as in what were you thinking, but like, what was going through your heads? Like, how were you approaching it when you had those decisions where you had like, oh, we've got opportunity here but we think this thing here is niche and this could be the future. Like, was it was it just running at it or did you have like sit downs where you were like planning it or was it a mixture of both? Yeah, so I would say I'm the more risk averse of the two of us. So I was probably more worried about the loss of um, revenue for, uh, I suppose, you know, t- turning away leads we already had. But at the same time, we'd recently sort of switched things over where, Alex was focusing on sales and marketing and, and no longer developing. And I was doing all the design and development 
when we'd started out, I just designed, he developed. So I, I'd taken on kind of that component of it. And as I wasn't such a strong developer, I'd really enjoyed the projects where we were working on Shopify. So I was really excited about that and loved that that was what we were going for. Um, and uh, But yeah, I was still a little bit worried about, you know, how can we possibly turn away these great leads? Um, but it, it wasn't a, a slower process to sort of see the, the kind of benefit as I thought it would be. Um, and because we'd always had a bit of a focus on content marketing, um, we, what we're able to do is churn out loads of great Shopify content on our blog. And because no one else had really specialized and, and, and at, the, at the time I don't really remember any other agency being solely Shopify. Um, we suddenly dominated that. I remember it probably, we probably made the decision sometime in like September or October and by Christmas, I couldn't believe how sort of successful we'd become in a, in, in, in a, uh, in terms of the, the sheer number of inquiries that were coming in off the back of people searching for Shopify and then, and, and, you know, finding our blog and then inquiring, like it, it was nuts. And we were selling, you know, I think in the week before Christmas that year, we sold like five projects and we'd never sold anything like that number. You know, so much so that I was you know, shitting myself thinking, right, I'm, I'm a one man band here designing <laughs> all these. So I've got to you know, spend my Christmas building all this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really exciting time. And, and the other thing is we'd, we'd also, it was about this time when we'd hired our first employee. So there was that added pressure of we need revenue to, pay this person uh, um and so that was weighing on my mind as to oh actually can we afford to take you know lose these non-e-commerce leads but yeah it quickly it quickly worked out so uh yeah it was a hundred percent the right thing to do well you touch on an interesting point there and I'm, I'm keen to learn a little bit more about yeah how how has the team evolved because you know we've got a pretty big team now it's over 60 people um but there was you know quite a lot of time there where it was you two guys working yourselves and you hired your first employee what, what was the sort of like decision making between that first employee through to you know like the the 10th and the 20th and kind of beyond from there what was your thinking i mean i'm not, I'm not sure it's it was very well thought out i mean I, I think alex alluded to the fact earlier that maybe we still operate like this which is um hiring based on necessity rather than uh planning um but I think for the first employee, actually, it was probably our most planned in, in a sense that, um, you know, the thing we probably needed was uh, another developer, but um, it was a better move to hire uh, a full-time marketing person because that was going to lead to bigger growth. Um, and then we could quickly follow up with developers. So, yeah, that 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 was a smart move. Um, uh, and over, over the years, I think we haven't really grown in a, in a particularly planned fashion. Um, what we've done is create a good enough buzz around the agency such that we are uh, bringing in great, great clients and um, able to then hire, hire people. So I, th I think if you'd asked us, where do you want to see this agency? We probably wouldn't have said, oh yeah, big 65 person agency. We'd have probably not, not thought about that in the slightest. It was more just, hey, there's this opportunity. Let's just keep going. And Alex, to take a, a, a slight step back, and this is something that I've asked a few of the people on this agency series, you guys were both technologists. You came from a technology background. Do you think that that is important? Um, and I suppose another way of putting it would be, 
do you think you'd be as successful as you were if you both weren't from that field? Um, yeah. So I, I, the Shopify community now, and, and that we're, we're, we're very close with, I think includes a lot of people like us that are crafts people that have a, yeah that have a lot of interest in the technology or design and have managed to make the decision correctly that this is obviously a platform that is a good one to, to be on um and i think there are a lot of people like us um and that's great because it's 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 in our dna and if i look for inspiration it's often in the sort of player coach model and the fact that um being on the kind of shop floor so to speak and understanding how we do things is still today even like a thing that's very important to us and the thing we probably lacked which we're now having to learn in reverse is i suppose like the stuff you would get in a in a in a sort of startup incubator or even an mba maybe which is how do you run a business in terms of all its functions like hiring um sales marketing um uh, operations and finance and everything else which we now know but we kind of learned it by doing which i guess you could argue is also great but i think it made it a bit harder for us um to grow quickly but what it gave us now is that we now have some understanding of those areas which makes it easier to run the business so um i'm pleased with it but i think the, th the thing is it took us a long time to run the company a bit more by looking at things like finances and so on uh, rather than getting work out the door um but yeah i i, I yeah i think the reason we still love coming to work so much is to see the actual work that gets done and the process involved in it. So, um, yeah, I'm very content with that. And I suppose the concept of change is one that's um, infiltrating every conversation and every part of the world right now. Um, mm. And I heard an interesting uh, quote the other day that suggested something along the lines, if you haven't used COVID as a chance to innovate, then you've, you've missed a huge opportunity. Do mm. you guys think that's true? And, you know, how have you kind of approached that? I think that's a, <laughs> that's an interesting quote, and I'd, I'd probably challenge it because, yeah, that's going to make a load of people feel really shit about themselves. Um, but uh, we have used it as an opportunity, I would say. I think, you know, we were um, in a tricky place in March, for sure. We had no idea what was going to happen. We had clients pausing work and pausing retainers and, uh, you know, basically had a huge revenue dip. Um, so... Um, yeah, it was a difficult panicky time and we had all that going on. But then once we sort of, you know, maybe a month in, I think um, what we did that was very useful was, you know, we've got some time now, which we don't normally have. Let's think about, you know, what sort of agency we want to be next year. Um, mm. And that has made us, so sort of that introspection has been really good for us. And I think we're in a way better place from a sort of company structure and, and the type and, and the team members we've got, um, that 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 we are in fact going to have a much stronger sort of foundation for 2021. Um, so so yeah, I think we have. I mean, I don't, I don't know about innovating, um, uh, but yeah, we've certainly made some significant changes and uh, changes for the better that perhaps we wouldn't have um, wouldn't have done because we wouldn't have been looking at ourselves so critically. Mm. Yeah, I think that, that 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 quote was probably coming from some uh, lofty uh, tech orb in Silicon Valley <laughs> somewhere. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, maybe another way of looking at it, which is another sort of uh, common theme I'm seeing, like to 
were you on that path already or were we on that path already do you think like as in was 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 this great uh period of change uh, uh a change agent or was it more of an accelerant to get to where you know yeah, I think it was an accelerant. I think that's a good way of putting it. That it, I think it was the first year we had a proper annual budget and a projection and all this kind of stuff that was very manicured and probably would have been useful in telling us at the end of the year, oh, we're probably not as efficient as we think we are um, and all the underlying causes for that. And instead what happened was by March, basically, we were kind of in a position that we accepted we were probably no longer going to grow at the same rate, which had been huge in the past few years. And that allowed all of us actually to become a lot more inward focused on the business. Like, let's get back to what we actually do and how we do it. And that's, again, I guess, where the technology uh, aspect of our skill set has come in useful because we can go back and look at how we do things and realize, oh, it's, you know, maybe inefficient in some way or it could be done better. And we wouldn't have had that opportunity. So I am pleased about that. And like Pierce said, we'll go into 2021. and. It's almost like pressing pause a little bit, which I mean, we can't quite press pause because we've got so many clients, so much work to do. But certainly at the leadership level, we've been able, been able to pause and think about what we should be doing. And we have rebuilt the plane mid-flight, I think. So optimistic, well, I shouldn't use that in 2020 really, but fairly optimistic for next year that obviously e-commerce has been accelerated by maybe five years or so. Um, and we're very lucky to be in that industry. So I'm hoping that we're ready now to deliver uh, an even better quality for our clients and ultimately a lot more efficient when we do it as well. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to get um, like uh, sucked into the here and the now and that perspective piece like that, you, you know, you're right, Piers, that there's a lot of people that have really struggling and, and, and we, we're in an incredibly fortunate space, vertical industry. Um, I, I would argue though that, you know, the hard work that happens in somewhere like we make websites does produce job opportunities for other people, which is pretty cool. And we heard that pretty cool anecdote before where someone got quite emotional when we offered them a job the other day. And I think that's pretty cool to hear that, you know, that human behind it all. And, you know, you can, even though we're not saving lives and we're <laughs> nowhere near that space, you know, we can kind of make some sort of human difference, which, which is, which is refreshing, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's a part of what why we run the business all that side, side of things you know the team and growing this team is one of the big things i'm proud of because you know we've got just yeah there's some incredible people and it just it, it, it it's not easy to get to this this point and it's not easy to bring these people together and, and uh you know do do uh, build build great websites you know uh, so yeah i'm hugely proud of that stuff and uh yeah i think i think we are doing a really good good thing so to take a, a, another retrospective lens, um, you guys have been doing this for more than a decade now. So I, I'm keen to understand um, from both of you, your perspectives on what's changed the most and what's potentially stayed the same. I think the, the, the big thing that's changed is we're no longer the, the craftspeople. I mean, we, we still have that in us, but you know, we are not there designing building and testing and debugging and um creating the thing um and, and that for me was was not an easy transition to make um although i think i've probably made it now um it i, th I think i think you know i'm not a natural manager or, or you know delegating didn't come naturally to me and you know it's always 
one for just jumping in and doing the thing or getting things fixed. That that has been a real, real shift. Um, and then the other thing that's sort of related to that is is sort of trying to treat the business more like a business um, and, and kind of, you know, how would an investor look at this business? You know, they probably make different decisions than I than I have done um, because they're not in um, they're not so in the weeds. Um, and I guess that relates back to the question you asked earlier, which is, you know, uh, because we're you know developers and designers, you know, how are we running this business differently? And I think you probably would run it pretty differently if you were just if you've just done an MBA and were you know not not someone that could do the individual work and and that has pros and cons like alex said um, but yeah that's that's probably the biggest thing for me that that just shift in 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 role and what i do day to day alex what yeah. about you yeah same yeah and at this point now it, it's all just getting getting the best people and and getting the most out of them and i think that yeah for me too has been a long journey that we've tried various things over the years um and certainly when you're smaller and you can all be in one room and, and so you know 15 people or less and i think it is a bit easier to be more in touch with what's going on and do more of it yourself and work on the business uh, whilst you're in it whereas now we've got to a point where we're, we're relying on other people to do that and then manage their people and pass on our ethos and our values and our strategy to them and that is something that we've had to learn but i'm very proud of how we've done it and i think it's the best way, which is just by learning by doing. And um, we've therefore developed our distinctive style, I think, sometimes of how we do things. And um, and yeah, I'm very proud of that. So right, right now it's all people. And what I've finally realized is that ultimately you can't prescript uh, everything with process and automation and everything. And you basically need to make sure you've got the right people, uh, which I mean people that make the right decisions themselves about what to do within the general guidelines and i think we've tinkered our hiring strategy for that and um, we're also in the luxury of being able to hire better people because we're bigger and we can pay more and so on but that that the position we're in now is getting the most out of people rather than doing the things which i guess is the same thing Piers said that resisting the temptation to wade in and instead finding the right people and giving them the time and space to do it which i think we're getting better at and Piers, I'm keen to understand, like, who do you look to as inspirational? Do you look at other Shopify agencies? Do you look at other agencies? Do you look outside the agency sphere? Like, where do you get inspiration from? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess from different places. I mean, I definitely look up to other agencies, um, particularly where they're, I don't know, my, they may be really strong on the design side, I guess, because I'm still, you know, still... That really love the design side of the business so I look at work that say people like basic agency do and, and, and they're producing some incredible stuff some incredible brands and you know so I look up to that that kind of thing um, but then yeah I guess more generally uh, I suppose there's inspiration in looking at uh, you know outside of the agency world you know, just how people are running their businesses so a good example is how you know Toby and Harley and co are running Shopify and, and um, some of the decisions we make will mirror the, mirror those decisions because we're uh, yeah they're, they're doing things correctly and, and, and it is easy for us to sort of suddenly see that and think hey hey we could do that with our business so um, yeah that kind of thing I mean generally when I'm listening to podcasts and things 
I wouldn't say I'm listening to agency specific ones. It'll be, you know, in, in, in the realm of work-based podcasts, I'm looking, to, listening to sort of other business, business owners. Um, same goes when I'm you know, reading blogs, following Twitter, et cetera. Um, it's, I suppose there's probably more in the product scene than the agency scene. I mean, you, you mean other than this podcast, of course, right? Obviously, I yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> big, big fan. So I, I'm keen to talk. Uh, I'm I have a, a an idea in my head of of a of a, a new podcast series that I'm going to be embarking on probably next year, and it's all about co-founders. Uh, and you guys might make the cut for that one. We'll see. But I understand. <laughs> like, what is it about? You you kind of alluded to it a bit before, Piers, and you gave a bit of insight into like the, the kind of roles and responsibilities in the sort of the lean that you take within the relationship. But what is it about your relationship that I suppose, I mean, is successful, but also has, you know, you've managed to run a business for 10 plus years because it is ultimately down to that, right? What 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 is it? What's the secret sauce? Um, I think, well... Firstly, I'd say I think we're very lucky to have uh, found each other because it's quite rare that you find someone you can work so well with. I, I don't know about you, Alex, but I can't. There's not many times where we, you know, yeah. butt heads over anything. Like we very rarely disagree on on things, or, or you know, we've never really had a falling out or anything, which is pretty rare, I think, for founders of a business because the whole thing's pretty high pressure and you know. Yeah, as, as as I'm sure many people know, it's a very stressful job sometimes. Um, yeah, so I think I think yeah, yeah first thing to say, we're pretty lucky to have found ourselves, but found each other. But I think the the, the that really is the key that we we are very compatible. You know, Alex Alex is probably um, always much more outgoing than me, and and has probably more of a bent towards the sales and marketing, and more being more on the face of the business. And then maybe I'm stronger on more of the operational side. Um, and I think it, we just have a, a shared sort of belief around how we do things that I think has, has um, made us last this this far and hopefully long into the future. Thank you for that, that surprisingly earnest answer. And uh, <laughs> I, I agree. This is, all, this is all on record as well, Alex. So you <laughs> Let's go yeah, full yeah, Esther yeah, Perel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, I agree totally. And every time I see uh, one of those, like I'm looking for a co-founder type person, I think, oh God, like that. I just dread. To, it's like dating. Like, I dread to think the odds of it. Whereas what we had was we got on and we were friends through work and therefore we were in work so we had a, a sort of filter there which is you know we were apparently part of this uh, you know fancy graduate program that was a bit of a filter of talent i suppose ultimately and we both had similar interests that were also very compatible uh, when it came to design and technology and so on and uh peers mentioned about us uh not disagreeing very often and i think the key thing there for other founders is um we we definitely have you know, debates and so on. But I think the thing is we both are able to change our minds quickly uh, to, if we realise that we're looking at something the wrong way. That's usually me, actually, is looking at things the wrong way. So I think that that means that it, it, it guides us towards the outcome, the best outcome faster. And the other thing is we have the same vision. So we, and by that, I mean, it's a bit of a woolly term, but what I mean is we, we know what we want to build, we know what we enjoy, um, and we have a similar lifestyle and similar age and so on. So it, it's all very uh, compatible. And um, yeah, we've always managed to make it work really well. So it's something we maybe take for granted, but as be like you say, it's been over 10 years now and we've gone through a lot. We've essentially ran several different businesses and um, 
I remember talking to JML at Shopify and him saying the same thing about their growth, which is it's almost like you've you know you've had a go at running being a freelancer and running a 10-person business and a 20, 30, uh, 40, 60. And what's exciting for both of us is we're also learning. And obviously sometimes that can be demoralizing or you don't quite know what to do and so on, but ultimately it's been really rewarding. I think that's a very interesting insights. My observation is, yeah, you two both have a very fundamental friendship, which I think is incredibly important, which then means you trust each other and all that sort of stuff, which is good. And then, I, yeah, I think the skill set thing, I think you're your you're, you're, you're yin to your yang. Do you know what I mean? You guys complement each other quite well. And I think that that is a, for any budding agency uh, founders, <laughs> go and find a friend of yours that you've got comp compatible skill sets with and, and start an agency. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about, let's say we make websites um, had finished in whatever capacity that might be or whatever, you know, you took a U-turn, um, maybe a global pandemic happened and you had to rethink what you did. Um, what would you guys be doing? I think... No, we well, make websites anymore. <laughs> I think we'd be doing something similar. So ultimately we actually enjoy this element of te you know technology and I don't ever see us... I mean, <laughs> by ending, you know, it, it, that... I don't ever see us not working, put it that way. And I also don't ever see us not running our own business. So I'd have thought we'd be doing something similar. The, the interesting path that we didn't take is building a product, which I think both of us sometimes ruminate on. Mm -hmm. And I don't worry too much because ultimately we're very thankful that this business has been successful. Um, but it's ultimately a people business. So as your revenue increases and you sell more stuff, you've got to do more work basically overall. Whereas obviously a product business that that isn't the same, and um, we in fact like Pierre said when we started we were looking at products and okay they help you find a pub but it's the same outlook really that e-commerce is something that we profoundly understand and they've got a good network in and that would be a good place to build a product but and I think what that's given us is uh, flexibility that I mean our business is hard to run sometimes ultimately it is allowing us to have a fairly good lifestyle i think it's not like we're tied to it all the time and we've definitely been through that and i don't want to labor the whole entrepreneur thing of like nights and weekends put into it because i find it a bit like a jading narrative but true that there were times working on one holiday the whole time and uh not being able to to um be with my friends and we've been through all that and that was why and that's and that's what's got us to this point which is we have enough capital to grow the business without us breaking which is also convenient because we're basically older than we were and that's another thing really that when we were in our late 20s um we could just do more i think i think we had a higher throughput of work we certainly didn't know as much but we we're able to work weekends and all the rest of it and we can't now and I, oh, well you know we can't long term and i think generally there's sort of a general point here i suppose about mental health and looking after yourself and so on but i think we're also happy that we've got a business that isn't overly demanding and the thing one of our values is no dramas and that's because you know it's e-commerce and ultimately at the end of the day it's an e-commerce website and yes of course we're diligent and all the rest of it but there shouldn't ever have to be that level of stress that um some businesses face so uh i don't know if i really answered the question there but yeah no, was, something it similar was, it was insightful uh piers what about you would you be drawn to the product world or yeah what would you be doing um Am I limited to my own skill? 
No, this is or a free range, greenfield approach. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, if, if I wasn't doing this business, I'd love to have a go at a product business for sure. That's super appealing to me. Um, and maybe a business with more risk attached to it. So like we've never raised capital, we have any investors, any of that stuff. Um, and that is because that's what we wanted to do and it's sort of safer but you know the payoff's smaller or whatever um and then we're totally fine with that um i think it would be quite interesting to do something bigger and more ambitious that required raising capital and all that sort of stuff um and uh working on a single thing like a product you know making that as best as it possible possibly can rather than having focused sort of all around on multiple multiple clients that like you have in a service business. So yeah, there's definitely appeal, an appeal there. But similarly, there's an appeal of just being sort of like a, I know more of a consultancy role. And um, I guess the thing we've both got now is like this 10 years of experience working with hundreds of different, you know, econ businesses. And, um, you know, that that's really valuable. And, and it's something I really like doing, you know, finding out a bit about business, talking to them, seeing how they can do things better. And kind of, um, so that, that kind of consultancy piece is still, is still interesting to me. I want to kind of draw it to a close now. I've got a couple of final questions. So the first one, and this is to both of you, Alex, maybe you can start off. What, what would be the piece of advice you'd give your 20 year old self? <laughs> um, oh, wow uh wow okay so i I limited it to one or two pieces (laughs) i'll I'll give you that agency yeah okay how about this i don't think anybody uh knows what they're doing like in the sense that that there isn't uh, um there isn't like some secret that everybody's got that you haven't got and most things when you go and learn about them you realize that they're firstly quite understandable and secondly probably not as uh you know complicated as you think they are and actually the, the, being able to go and do do your own thing and do your own way um um it is it, fine it's rewarding and if you feel like you can do it then it's the way to go and the reason i think it's important to pass that back is i remember you know like telling people in particular like my dad that i i'm gonna quit this corporate career which like i like we kind of said at the start you know wasn't didn't seem like a very sensible move. And obviously there's a huge amount of self-doubt during that period, right? That like, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And what I've always found is when you have that feeling that you may be quite, uh, don't quite know exactly what you're doing or you're moving a bit too fast or there's a certain kind of feeling of like, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing, I'm doing but I think I know what I'm doing is usually a good pace to be at. Um, and I think I had to learn that over, yeah, a long period, but it would be nice to be able to go back and say, just do it, you know, especially at that age, like what have you got to lose? Not a lot really. Sage yeah. advice, Piers. I think mine would be very similar. Yeah. To, along the lines of, uh, take more risks. I think at, at the time it felt like some huge risk to be quitting a job and starting a company, but really we were in an incredibly privileged position that we already had a good job that like Alex at the start does mean that it'd probably be easy to get another job. Um, and it, yeah. So if things hadn't worked out, we wouldn't have been in a dreadful position. Yeah. So like, I think we could have been a bit bolder with our, with our strategy back then. Um, m- maybe it would have resulted in failure because we'd have, 
you know, raised money and 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 not known what we were doing, but at that time, but who who knows? Um, but yeah, I, th- I think yeah, just taking if taking a few more risks um, would certainly be my my advice because yeah, you know, at that age, I didn't have any responsibility at all. Yeah, so it, <laughs> things wouldn't have mattered so much. Um, yeah, something along those lines, I'd say. Right. Uh, final question, and maybe Piers, you can kind of round us out. What's next for We Make Websites in twenty twenty one? Um, well, so I think we've, uh, I guess we've got ambitious growth plans, um, and, uh, they're, they're not anything, you know, groundbreakingly innovative or anything, but, um, for us, we had this big experiment of, you know, 2018, let's go out and start, start, a, a, an offshoot of the company in the States. And yeah, thankfully that's worked really, really well, um, in that it's sort of proved itself, but that's where we expect to see big, big growth next year. So, you know, we're going to be building out the team in, in a much bigger way than um, say we'll be building out our London team. Um, so that that is uh, a, a key part of what 2021 is bringing. But the other thing for me that's exciting is we've we've restructured the company and, you know, we just we just think everything's going to be so much better in terms of, you know, we're going to be building better websites. We're going to be attracting better clients. We're going to be, yeah, attracting uh, better staff. And um, so it just feels like we're in this great, you know, sort of almost like we've had a, a, a roller coaster of a year, but now we've got this like solid platform to launch off. Alex, any final thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, same thing really that we, we, you know, we had our sort of year of acclaim, I would say last year where, you know, we had a lot of basically like good press and we've built a reputation that we're very proud of, but we want to do whatever is is next, which is you know all that stuff Piers described. That we're, we're going to end up producing better work, I think, and and I think people already think it's good, but we want to do whatever is next, and I think that's what's driving us at this point, which is pleasantly surprising people with with what we do next. So yeah, I'm very excited, and I think we've got a solid basis for that now. So uh, hopefully, 2021 things will get a bit better overall for everyone in every respect, and we'll be able to. Uh, yeah, make the most of that. Very good, guys. That was fantastic. Alex Pierce, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it. A massive thank you to Piers and Alex for being on the show. Go and check them out at wemakewebsites.com. Before I go, a quick word for my sponsor, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And yeah, this is it. That's the final episode in the Agency Side series. If you liked it, please like, subscribe, down low, and look out for a return to my normal broadcasting schedule in the next couple of weeks. I'll see you then.